This week, we're so excited and delighted to have a great conversation with Catherine Pirazzoli of Catherine Pirazzoli Coaching. She is a friend, a mother of three amazing boys. She is always evolving and always changing and teaching her clients how to change and love themselves more. It is with great delight that we have this beautiful, chic conversation with Catherine. Enjoy. Welcome to She Conversations. We are so thrilled to have you on. Wow. I want to know what I did to deserve to get on this call with these two powerhouse women. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you are a powerhouse yourself. We see you on Instagram, motivating and inspiring people. So you are a life coach. Tell us what you do and what's your target audience. Oh gosh, that's a great question. Um, so I'm a certified life coach. I don't even really know what that means other than I help people see their truth. And people who come to me usually are people who are kind of exhausted by living inauthentically, making choices that don't align with them. Um, just out of alignment in their relationships, either with their families or their, their loved ones or their significant others, kind of out of alignment with any area of their life. And when they come to me, they're looking to have somebody help them see their blind spots and to um, help them grow in areas that maybe they didn't even know they needed to grow in. And, um, and at the end of a relationship with me, hopefully they will say that um, they can hear their intuition. They feel more connected to their heart and their soul's purpose and that their relationships have improved significantly. Mm-hmm. Like, so in 2020, what is like, what do you see? What is the mindset? Because 2020 <laughs> is like no other. I feel like everybody's going to need therapy. I think that's an understatement of the century. <laughs> My business has exploded in 2020. Absolutely exploded. I mean, there's probably no better time than anybody to be in a, a health well-being industry than right now. I mean, whether you are people of color, whether you are people who have struggled with depression, anxiety, whether, I mean, I don't think it matters who you are. You've struggled in 2020. I don't want to hear anybody's story about it's been the best year of their life because that just has not been true for most of us. And I think the reason why is because none of us have ever sat still. And, and during quarantine, people were forced to sit with themselves and there was nowhere to run and there was nowhere to hide. And I mean, I think that's why they started delivering liquor to people's homes because people were coming out of their skin. They had to give them some way to deal, you know, (laughs) for me, this it has been the year of and and both. I think that it's been both really, really challenging. And I think some really beautiful things have come from this year. I do. It's black. It's been the gray area. This has exposed all of our gray areas it might have exposed a lot of blind spots yes um your mom of um three boys yes and did you explain have they asked any questions what was going on were you open to them um so how has how has it been 
man, this has been a year of parenting. Um, I don't think any of us anticipated being so up close and personal with our kids unless you've made it to homeschool. Um, I think that for me, my goal in the last, since I got divorced six years ago has been to be the healthiest version of myself to give my kids a space to grow. And so, yes, I was very open with them. They actually loved quarantine. They loved being at home. They loved the stillness of it. We started playing games together and interacting and just the connection that we experienced, I think, really helped them a great deal. Um, And I was used to having almost sole custody of all three of my boys. I think it's like 80-20. And during the first few months, it was 50-50. So while every other parent was losing their mind, it was like the first break I had had in five and a half years. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was beautiful because I had all this free time for the first time. Um, and, and then we went back to real life. So it's back to, it's back to normal. Mm-hmm. So, but I think parenting, I mean, I've had a lot of people, a lot of my clients say that they feel like they've been called forth as a parent more than they ever had been because of the, the closeness and the proximity. There weren't sports to go to. You couldn't just rush out to the store and go shop. There's just no distractions. So I mean, it's really has exposed people's weaknesses in parenting or some of our, um, you know, fears about what it means to be a parent. And I don't know how, how to, how to help kids deal with anxiety. What is anxiety? What are they feeling? How do we talk about that? I mean, let's be honest, maybe y'all did, but, but I, I was not raised with a whole lot of skills, like for how to deal with emotions and, I didn't learn any of that. So those are kind of self-taught things that I've had to do through my own growing process. And I think if you haven't gone through that process and you haven't really addressed some of your own deficits as a parent, you're getting called forth to do that now, Mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. Maybe 20 some days to election and there's so much noise in the world and everyone wants to scream really loud about what they think is right and, and how they want you to think. What, what are you feeling? What is the mood? What is your, uh, what is, if you have to tell someone like, okay, this is the mood and this is what you need to do to calm all the way down. And, and, and I know with you, you will say the big word, calm all the down. (laughs) I think it's so hard, right? I mean, look, I'm, I'm the first to say I I dropped some cuss words here and there, so I'll be good today. I, um, I think the mood is fear. I feel a lot of fear. I feel it coming from everywhere. And I think that what I, what I practice and I'm not great on some days, but I think what I practice is what is my truth? What is it that I want to focus my energy on? Um, I stay really far um, outside. I don't, I don't watch the news. I watch what I need to watch to feel like I stay, but I don't, I don't sit and watch things that make me fear the world. Um, I I tend to put most of my energy into focusing on love. And I know that that sounds really cliche, but it is literally the only thing for me that combats that fear. You know, when I get into judging, you know, one political figure or another, or, I mean, I think that that what we are seeing on a very large scale are people's deep, 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 dark sides. And it has been 
exposed in ways and allowed to be exposed in ways that it has never been allowed before. Um, the things that have been said in public, the ways that people have been treated in public from the very top down, I think is really indicative of what we've tried to keep underneath the surface for mm-hmm. centuries. Yeah. And now here it is. And, you know, the, from my experience, the people who are woke, the people who are focused on love, light, and peace. They fall on one side of the, they fall on one side of the political, and it's it's not even about politics. I think they see it as a question of humanity. Mm-hmm. They see it as a question of what is right versus what really is wrong. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side that it's just complete disconnect, mm-hmm. disconnect from the heart, disconnect from the soul. Um, and I don't I don't mean that if you vote Republican or if you vote Democrat. I mean the people who get really amped and fired up behind the political people. I think there's, it's such a reflection of where people are internally. For sure. Let's just shine a light on it. Let's talk about what that story is because, you know, for any of us, that feeling of fear, we have some story attached to what's going to happen. It's never about what's right now. It's never about this moment because I don't think fear and like this moment exist in the same space. I think fear is all about the projection of what can happen, what could happen. And that can come from a million places historically in our lives. So I love to just dig in with people. And I think that the second that anybody starts to even talk about where that fear comes from, you start to see how irrational sometimes it is. Um, And then you can, figure out what it means to stay really present right here right now so that the fear doesn't overtake you and for most of us that's really hard we've spent our whole lives planning and thinking about the future and trying to get somewhere you know but if we just take it back to right here right now there's nothing wrong right here right now and that's where I try to get people when people are really centered in themselves and y'all you know this from yoga when when people get very like connected to that inner source and that power inside, it's, it's a sense of like, it's all going to be okay. Just this moment. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, and at the beginning of our conversation here, you said, Oh, I don't know why you guys invited me, but I will give you a hint to your authenticity of you being truthful in every moment. Like I've seen you and we've hugged because you're having a hard day and I've seen you and we've, we've been so ridiculous in the carpool lane because, <laughs> but then another thing in 2020 that um, I've seen it in you from day one is that you're pro-human, pro-all-human, pro-black is not anti-white. Right. Because you're a beautiful blonde chick but you fight for every, like in every conversation you you make it say I see you we are we are we are sisters in all aspects. Um, what would you say to someone that um, that is fearful because of all this justice talk and all this equality talk that is threatened that their existence is uh, in question. <laughs> I, I have had to have that talk on a number of occasions, including people in my own family. Um, and I think that what I have experienced um, in, I started dating a black man three and a half years ago. And 
I think what has been opened up in my own life is that I didn't know what I believed deep down. I, I didn't know that I had feelings of racism or that I judged certain things because of your skin color or, you know, your racial background. If you're from a different country that it was all underneath the surface. And so being in this relationship and being intimately involved with him and his family has really exposed those things for me. And then you put 2020 on it and it's like, wow. I mean, it's blown the roof off for a lot of white people, you know, just for us to go, well, I feel like it's, you're in one of two categories, either you are pro, I'm not going to look at this at all, or wow, I can't believe what I haven't seen before. And this sort of openness about wanting to explore what that means. Right. So what I say is if you don't believe that you have beliefs about black, white, racial uh, injustices or differences or oppression or any of it, then you need to look about 10 layers deeper because it's there. Yeah. And and for you to not look at it means that your children are learning to not look at it, which means your children are being raised to believe the same things you believe, whether you say it or not, which was my case. My parents never talked about it. They never said anything about it. I had no idea it existed in our family. I feel like if you are somebody that, that feels threatened by um, pushing for black rights or black lives matter, you, I mean, you don't have to, but if you would like to be enlightened, it would probably be of benefit to look deeper and understand why you would have any issue with somebody saying that black lives matter, you know? And, and I think that so many people want to detach from our history. You know, they think it, it wasn't me. It wasn't my parents, but they forget that it was their grandparents, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and in a lot of our cases, including myself, it was my parents Mm -hmm. and it wasn't because my parents were overtly racist. It's because they never said anything. And it's because there was this underlying thing that we all do when we're growing up. And that is we interpret whatever is being said or not said, and we're kids. So if you're not talking about it, you're left to decide whatever it is for yourself. And sometimes it's really not great thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of authority to even consider, um, especially when you're comfortable. Uh Yeah. Especially if you're comfortable. I mean, we live in suburban America where, um, People are just not bothered. That's not their reality. And you just go away with all the noise will be beneficial to the masses. Well, and I have to be honest. Um, I mean, I've always been pro-human. I think I've always been somebody that, that saw, you know, the light and, and wanted to be a better person. But on some fronts, you know, unless it personally directly affects you, I mean, we are so self-centered as a nation. We've never really had struggle. We've never really had to worry. Whereas in some other countries, I mean, your inherent struggle is that you're born in that country, right? And in this country, if you're white, you're born to really no struggle. And if you don't have interaction with other people that come from other places that have another reality, that's your world. And until probably four years ago, that was the world I was raising my children in. They went, we lived in an all white neighborhood they went to all white schools. Like their schools prior to the school that they're at in Frisco, Texas, they they knew of one child that was black and one child that was Indian. Everyone else looked like them. Now, 
I didn't even think about it because that's just where we lived. And, and nobody, nobody had ever brought me up to think, you know, it's really important that you know that other people in the world exist. And then we moved to Texas and it's like this whole world opened up. I mean, I have friends like y'all with different accents and different mm-hmm. colors. I mean, I hosted Thanksgiving my first year here and we were the United Nations. We had India, South Africa, Australia, America, China. Like it was the United Nations and it has opened up our world so much to have that kind of diversity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. It has been exposure, a year off, you know, so much exposure. And it's been, you know, um, I would think, you know, like an orange peeling, you know, you're peeling an orange and it's exposing what's um, the fruit, what's good, you know, and some may feel as though it's just been great. Others just, you know, refuse to see it. But I love what you said, though, like, um, you know, that we, you know, that for you, you're pro-human, you know, and you came out. I mean, you, you said it, you spoke out and mentioned that, that, hey, everyone matters, you know, and you told that to your kids that as well, you know, so that's something like, it's just been so much exposure and other people could not even mention that, you know, like Black Lives Matter, or, you know, it was so hard for them to even say that word, you know. So I do appreciate you and thank you so much for just, you know, coming at, you know, coming and speaking that and just saying that to us, you know. Well, so I that have really you, I've had this, um, it's going to make me cry. Forgive me. Oh, please. What I work with people on on a regular basis is being able to see their worth and their value. And I had this thought about nine months ago about as a white person to be born into America and struggle with self-worth and and value is one thing. But to be born into this country as a black person and have to question your very worth and value because of your skin color and add on to it whatever messed up stuff most of our parents do, I am absolutely amazed at the ability of black women and men to have integrity and self-worth because the fight that I see with most of my clients who I do have a, a diverse mix, but to think about just the struggles of their, their skin tone being white versus like, it's like double whammy in, in, in our country. And I think my heart has just been like broken wide open to say, you know what, if you can't see this, if you can't see that what what we as white people did all those years ago and how that still impacts, you're not human. You don't, you're not, you're not in the same realm of humanity that I am. That is a disconnect from your heart at mass proportions. And you have never been exposed and had, you know, connection with people of different colors. And shame on you, because if you did. I don't think you could stand in the shoes of saying all lives matter. I just don't. That pot 100. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And I really do wish more than anything else is empathy for all. Yeah. Because um, 
like, let's just be completely honest. I'm not necessarily struggling for me. Like this argument is not necessarily for me, but I don't want my children to have this conversation. And someone said, what are you, um, a, a great person with a great voice, huge influential voice said, what are y'all complaining about? Oprah is a billionaire and Tyra Perry is a billionaire. And I'm like, it's not about the regular person. It's about the system. So that, so that when we all see each other, then we all, like the future generation will grow. It, that would, they, the mindset will be different. But if you don't put value and if you don't have an ear to hear your neighbor, I'm like, let's, 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 let's begin again. Let's build a different foundation. Let's just start. Let's throw the whole book away. Let's start over. Yeah. 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 I think that's the importance of doing your work because it is a start over with your kids. Mm -hmm. It is. I mean, how, how my, how my parents raised me and God love my parents. I think they did some things well. Um, I've fundamentally changed the course of my kids' lives because of the work that I've done. And they will not have the same um, experience of life that I did. They won't have the same beliefs that I grew up with, not the ones that I needed to discard anyway. And when you talk about empathy, I mean, it goes back to the really core question of whether or not you're connected to your heart, because if you aren't connected to your heart, which is what I see more often than not, are people just fundamentally disconnected. It's impossible to have empathy. Mm-hmm. It just is because once you're connected to your real heart, that's, that's like your most pure, innocent place. That's when you see what children really are capable of. That's my boys who have been exposed to the most wonderful person on this planet. Who's become really a, a father to them. And they say, I don't understand why anybody could do, do anything bad to him because of his skin mm-hmm. color. And they just can't fit it in their, their, realm of existence and they're older. I mean, they're 13, 11 and and eight, like they're, they're, they struggle and they cry a lot when things get brought up on the news or they hear about them and they just can't fit it into their, their paradigm. They don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to jump speech gears a little bit and talk about marriage and, and dating. Oh, goodness. So, yeah. yeah. Topics. Okay. So let's start with marriage and then we move on to dating. Okay. okay. So, okay. And it's both questions. Okay. So uh, what makes marriage work and what makes dating work? I mean, at a, at a basic level, I think that good marriages start with two people who know themselves and two people who are willing to grow forever together. I mean, end of story. If, if one person grows and the other doesn't, you're, you, you, the, the space becomes too big. And if neither person grows, the marriage will fall apart because we're, we're designed to grow as humans. So know thyself. <laughs> if you know yourself, your chances of choosing a partner that is compatible, that will be able to stick through the hard times it's when we're undiscovered and we're choosing people from our wounded places that we end up mm-hmm. in, in such discourse. I mean, really painful, painful relationships. Mm-hmm. And I have lots of, I mean, I, I do a lot of coaching around that. You know, if, if we haven't healed some of that childhood stuff, 
we end up choosing a partner that we're going to work it out with. And sometimes that survives, but more often than not, it ends in disaster, both for the parents and the kids. Mm-hmm. And so then something. if you don't, if you don't do your work after that, then you take that into the dating world and then you replay the whole scenario again. <laughs> <laughs> and that is why bad toxic relationships are still in existence. Yeah. It's because people yeah. don't know themselves. Yeah. And that's the hardest work to do, to sit with yourself to not, no distraction to say, why did I think that? Why do I behave like this? Yeah. That's the, yeah. that's the fundamental truth. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, find out what, what it is in me that resonates with people, yeah. you know, because whatever it is that I'm resonating with, and that can be toxic or healthy mm-hmm. is absolutely a reflection of me. Yeah. It's where it's what's inside me. It looks like it's about the other person, right? Lots yeah. of us want to make it about the other person, but when it really gets down to it. It's what is in me that is resonating with somebody's unhealthiness or their healthiness. So choose to be healthy first before you maybe start dating, right? I wrote a book. I wrote a book and I don't know if it'll ever get published or not, but it's called dating without a destination. And the entire thing is geared towards if you can just spend enough time with yourself and really know yourself, know what you like, know what you don't like, understand what makes you tick, that when you go to the dating world and date without marriage or everlasting love in mind, but date just to see what do I like? What do I not like? Date with a, a, the, the lenses on that say, do I like this person? Not the entire time, do they like me? Mm. Because especially if you're a woman, 90% of the time, your focus is on do they like me? Are they going to call me? Are they, and it's outside of you. But if you can focus that back in, do I like them? Do I want them to call me? That's like, that's really powerful, especially for a woman. I can't speak for a man because I've never dated as a man. But for me as a woman dating from the place that I dated, you know, three and a half, four years ago, best experience of my life. Mm-hmm. So much fun. Because I knew who was. To write this book, to publish this book. Right? We got to figure out a way to get it published. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. We yes. need it published. Yes. <laughs> I like that. Know thyself. Come with that question. Do I like this person? Do I? Not, does this person like me? And then that, me, yeah, that makes it but, That is so good, Catherine. Now, this is not even about dating. Teaching this my fifth grader <laughs> and she's having middle school troubles and I'm like don't worry about who likes you how about who do you like yes, yes. That, and yeah. I think that's outside of dating that's a right. good question yeah, yeah. when we have I mean it's it, it all fundamentally comes down to I'm not enough mm-hmm. and when you have a conversation that says I'm not enough then you're constantly looking for people to show you that you're enough well, when you heal those parts of yourself and you go, I'm enough because I breathe yeah. and you take that into the world, then what comes back are people like y'all, women who love themselves, people who value themselves, people who want authentic connections and not to sit here and talk about the neighbor next door mm. because you're bored. Mm. Nobody mm. has time for that. I can't say the last time I gossiped about somebody. It was like seven years ago. True. Nobody has time for it. Right. When you like yourself, you're too busy doing things that you love and that you're passionate about and connected relationships that you, you lose the desire for the stuff that we did in middle school. 
I love Absolutely. that. I love that. And someone once said, um, if you, people that are confident talk about ideas and not about people. Mm-hmm. And that really resonates. Yeah. yeah it does. Mm-hmm. And I really, I think about, I think about raising girls, I'm raising boys and it looks a lot different than raising girls. I mean, you have a boy and a girl. Linda, I think you have two. Do you have two? I have three. Yeah. I have a girl and two boys. Okay, so. So both have the experience of, mm-hmm. and well, it's different, right? Mm-hmm. Between the boys and the girls, the boys don't care about the stuff that the little middle school girls care about. So different because the girl would, would um, you know, care about, Oh, I'm being judged. Do they like me? Do they, what do they think about me? You know? So if once it's just put that way, like, Hey, if you know yourself and know what you like, you're not worried about what others like and what others are saying. Absolutely. Well, I tell parents this all the time. If you, if you want to see change in your child, change it yourself, you know, because to change it within yourself, because I think, no matter what and how much I've grown, I know that there's still things inside of me that aren't healed. And those are the things that get passed it to kids. Mm-hmm. It's not the things that are healed that get passed to them. It's the things that are unhealed. And then they end up working it out or not. Right. But if I, you know, I, I used to get so worried about my kids being left out. Oh my God. It was like this thing where in, in like preschool and elementary school, when they were real little, like, Oh my God, they didn't get invited to that birthday party or, and then when I went through my whole coaching for a year and a half, and we really did just all this work on my self-esteem and value. I stopped caring whether or not my kids got invited. I stopped caring if I got invited. It was like, right, please don't let me be invited. Wow, like, I don't want friendship. I'm just kidding, sort of. But right? Like you, when you really know the value, those things don't matter. They really don't. And if they're, if they're showing up in my kids, I always know, well, I must need to work on this for me. I always turn it back to myself because whatever shows up in front of me, I believe we're reflecting back to each other. I just, I think that I always get reflected to what I need to work on, where I need to grow and also where my strengths are. I'll see it reflected back in in the people around me. So good. What's so good that you must tell somebody? Oh my gosh. Oh man. You know, I have been in this place the last few weeks. Um, I think as a mom, you know, we talk about, we'll do whatever it takes, you know, for our kids. And I've been super challenged in this area in the last six months because I have a child that no longer wants to be with his father. So I've had this struggle of how am I going to do it all? How am I going to be, you know, killing it in my business and a mom, a hundred percent full time on my own. And And I've had to really dig deep and really confront the fact that I actually will do anything it takes. Like I'm willing to do that. And it has stretched my belief system like so far Mm -hmm. because what I've seen is that when I'm willing to step into the space I'm most afraid of, meaning really no personal time, when I'm really willing to do the things I'm most afraid of, there's a freedom that comes with that. There's a, there's a thing that happens after that, that it opens up me being even bigger than I was before, you know? And, and sometimes I, I, I hang out on the corner going, I don't really want to step in that space. I don't really want to be that big. I don't really want to challenge 
myself in that way. But what I've learned in the last few months is that when we're willing to really step outside of where we're comfortable and, and say the things that we're afraid to say or do the things that we're afraid to do, I mean, truly, I don't think that there is any better feeling than getting to the other side of that and knowing what you're really made of. The things that you think, there's no way I can do this. And then all of a sudden you get pushed into a corner to do them. And because <laughs> I pr- promised you, I wouldn't have done it on my own accord. I got shoved in a corner and it's like on the other side of that, I'm like, wow, like I'm a different human. I love that. Mm-hmm. So good. I absolutely love that. So um, what advice would you give to 18 year old Catherine? Oh, stop caring what everybody thinks about you. Stop it. Stop it. It does not matter. If you don't like you, then nothing else is going to like you. Mm. Right? Like, that's it. Like, if, if someone could have grabbed me by the shoulders and, and taught me that self-love is really the most important thing, because if I don't reflect love for me, I'm going to attract things that don't love themselves. And that's where bullying and tormenting and all the things that I've experienced in my life come from, you know, it's just a fundamental lack of not liking myself and questioning who, you know, that I'm not really worthy of X, Y, and Z. You know, I think that would have completely changed my life if I had had that even a little bit. Right. I love that. What do you want to look back in when you're 80 and 90 years old and what do you want to be proud of? I want to know that my kids know who they are. I want to to see them living their truth in the world because I think that as parents, when we live our truth and when we stand in our truth and when we know who we are, we teach our kids it's okay. And when they matter, they do great things. They do. And I want to look back and know that that I did everything that I could to be that human, you know, to to the people who are in my life, to my kids. And I want to know that, that not really, I don't really care about the whole, like making a difference thing. I want to know that people at the end of their lives really can look back and say, like, I'm proud of that, you know, and I'm, I'm, I did what I came here to do. And I want to feel that way in 90. I want to feel like I've lived every last drop of life and used every last bit of passion that God gave me on this planet. And, and I know that you know, it's to be a light worker. It's to share, you know, my heart with people so that they can share theirs with others. My friend, you are amazing. <laughs> Do all the things, please. So amazing. Like y'all are doing. And what advice would you give our listeners? Put your own happiness first. Make that a priority. Be still and be grateful. I think those are the three things that have helped me a great deal. So, so good. <laughs> Catherine, I mean, I can talk to you for, I mean, like the whole well, we need We need to schedule a coffee offline so that we can all do that. Cause, yes. And then we can, we can talk all we want. Always all we want. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Good. yeah, absolutely. We should do that. Um, we just so appreciate you and thank you so, so, so much. Well, I'm honored. Um, yeah, before we go, um, where, where can people find you? Um, I'm on Instagram at Catherine Pierzoli Coaching. I have a website that's www.catherinepierzolicoaching.com. And I'm on Facebook 
I'm so not on Facebook that much. So I think it's Catherine Pierzoli coaching. Uh, yeah, it's got all my business information. So check it out. I'm super busy. You might get on a wait list, but <laughs> that's a good thing for me. I don't know about y'all. <laughs> and we are delighted. Thank you for sharing your heart with everyone. And I know someone is going to be blessed by you being so open with your life. Thank you. Oh, I thank y'all so much. I appreciate what y'all do. I really do. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. We'll have coffee soon. We must. (laughs) Okay.